Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping product managers become product masters. Listen and get ready to take your career to the next level for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, your host, and this is where you make your move from product manager to product master. Each week, we explore insights to make you more successful and help you better understand product management. I've collected 10 of the best insights into a short guide, the top 10 insights and tools from the first 100 plus interviews. Since you are listening, I know you'll find this guide valuable. Take time to check it out. Just go to theeverydayinnovator.com and you can download it at the top of the page. Hope you do check it out. Now, this interview should be a fan favorite, as many people have emailed me asking what executives want from product managers. My short answer is that executives and senior leaders want product managers to be thinking and acting more strategically towards the objectives of the organization. However, there's a lot of specifics to discuss, and this interview does that. My guest structures the discussion around three stages of organizational growth, which he calls the early stage, adolescent and well-established. What executives need from product managers differs from each stage, and I think you're really going to find the discussion insightful. Sharing these insights with us is Scott Propp, a former Fortune 100 executive and all-around product guy. Today, he serves organizations on a short-term basis, helping the executive team identify the right high-value product opportunities that yield the maximum return. And you should know that I took notes of the interview for you, If you hear something that you want to review later, or you just want to see a written summary of the discussion, head over to theeverydayinnovator.com slash 150. That is also a great way to share the insights with others. Just send them a link to theeverydayinnovator.com slash 150. Enjoy the interview. Scott, thanks for joining the Everyday Innovators. It is great to be here, Chad. Thank you. A previous guest introduced me to you, and I was uh, really delighted to discover the work that you do. And you provided an opportunity to visit a question that I've been asked about. Anyone that's on the mailing list for the podcast, they get an email in a month or two that says, hey, you know, thanks for being a listener. And if you have any topics that you'd like to explore, please let me know. And this is one that's come up a few times, which is how do executives think about product managers? And how should product managers maybe be thinking about their role through that lens of the executive? And with your background as being a Fortune 100 executive and now consulting role, you get dropped into organizations and help them with the product capability and maybe sometimes turning them around, maybe improving them, but you get to see this from lots of different dimensions. You're the perfect person to ask this question to. Let's start with just the the product piece of this. Share your experience, your insights, and how executives just think about product as part of their responsibilities. Yeah, it really depends on the uh, positional perspective of the executive at that point. Um, If the business is high functioning, uh, many times they just look at product management as another application or function in the organization. Um, It's usually when the organization is under stress for growth or under stress financially that product management begins to come under the lens. And um, as you and I both know, Right, examining the health of the product is kind of looking at the heartbeat of the organization. And the ability for the organization to produce good, healthy product, right, and good, healthy product life cycles um, is a really forward looking indicator of what the results are going to be down the road. Mm-hmm. So, not uncommonly, when I get called in, they're in financial 
trouble or they've had uh, some uh, issues with regarding matching product to market. Um, and usually by the time I get called in, it means that things have been off track for a bit, mm. been off track for a bit. Yeah. And it seems like in organizations when uh, innovation efforts increase, right? How are we going to become more innovative as an organization? It's indeed because of some aspect of, of stress that the yes. organization is not performing at the level that they want. And so that, that makes good sense to me. So high-functioning uh, organization, they have processes in place. They think about their product capabilities as you know just a, another element. The stressed organization then set, often will look at, we need more innovation. We need more revenue from products. How are we going to get that done? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. And the, this role of product management, you come across all kinds of different titles that are actually used when you look at the, the annual surveys that different organizations do. After you get away from product management, they're all over the place, right? Where, where sometimes we're a business analyst or a project manager or any other number of things that come up. And you hear it talked about sometimes in more of that project sort of level. And even up to the, you know, well, you're the CEO of the product, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what has been your experience in how executives tend to think of product managers or people associated with product? I think to just take a step back, mm-hmm. um, I think of organizations in about three different places, right? Okay. So there's the early stage organization where uh, the early part of product management is really just getting to that first product market fit. And at that point, the product manager really is right on top of the value proposition of right. the emergent firm. So they're, they're in a huge position of growth. The second spot where I think about product management being very, very important is when we call, as a, from a management consulting point of view, the adolescent crisis, right? When the organization has landed in a large niche and it's growing like crazy, but it's just beginning to professionalize that organization. They're just beginning to have functions like product management and project managers, right? And in that role, uh, many times the product manager is really um, creating order out of chaos, right? They're creating platforms, they're creating structure, right? They're creating opportunities for scale um, out of the complexity that many times uh, comes across the bow when, when you're in that part of the curve. Um, kind of that third zone is when you have a well-established operations function and a well-established strategic and customer identification function. And those two circles, um, strategic work and operations work, the connecting tissue between those in a good organization is the product manager, right? They're the mm-hmm. ones that connect the insight from the sales organization um, into the strategy function, as well as keeping the reality phase, right? Being able to actually produce the stuff in the operations function on the rails as well. So depending where you are in those three cycles, Product managers have very different roles mm-hmm. and uh, very different scope and impact. Um, and again, from an executive point of view, depending where that organization is in that life cycle makes a big difference as to the expectations and, and, and the leverage right, that a, a product manager can bring. And let's talk about those expectations then. So I like that structure, you know, early stage, the adolescence crisis, where you're growing quickly and you're, you're trying to put in processes so you can just make things work, right, and uh, continue. Uh, yeah. And then the well-established organization. And, and that also helps explain why we see so much variety in the product management role and what you end up having to do, because it's a reflection of what the organization needs at that time. 
when it comes to, to what does the executive actually want from the product manager, maybe it'd be useful to talk through that for each one of those. Yeah. The time of life in the organization too. And that's kind of the thing I know that listeners have asked before is, well, how do executives think about us, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, let's talk about the early stage organization first, right? So we've got typically got a very visionary founder, right? Um, that is that is you know has high expectations, very uh, very demanding time schedules, right? Get on that, get it out this week. Gee, I just was on the elevator with this guy, and I told him I could have him a prototype in two weeks. You know, come on, get get after this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and from a product you know management point of view, at that point, you're really just kind of fielding the foul balls as they come into the in, into your part of the in, in your part of the ball field you really are at that point um, kind of the um, the grown-up in the room right to help to organize and structure and create uh, some some solid benefits out of that um, that part that organization is really in a race to um, create a sustainable market position for itself. And there will be a lot of iteration and you just need to be able to accept that and do it productively, right? On low resources. So as a product manager, you're the one thinking in a, in a lot of ways, the most strategically about how do I place these bets and helping the senior leadership team to place those bets really wisely to use those limited resources really well. And uh, in a lot of cases, right? You know, as, you know, you only get a limited pile of resources to do that product market fit work with and and a a really skillful product manager can help to place those bets really well um and and in that kind of case you know it's a it's a very revered position you know it's it's a it's a really important part of the team and it is a matter of success or failure that role you know the when you talk about the there's this race to create a sustainable organization having been in the startup environment and then for those who haven't i want the everyday innovators to understand that the race may be because of a competitor, but the reality is you only have so much burn rate. There's only so many dollars in the bank to get your revenue generated before you run out of money, right? And finding that product market fit is the essential thing to generating that revenue. And if you don't do it before the bank account's dry, you're done. Exactly true. And there's a lot of really high quality starts, right? That don't, that, that can't run through that bank balance wall and it happens all the time um we saw saw a couple of firms last week that were right on the verge of that so yeah yeah so the executive perspective there you know what what executives want from that early stage in the early stage organization from their product manager is helping to identify the wise bets right what what are those initiatives we really need to go after and that could be what's the right feature for our product what's the right niche to start with where are we going to pursue that product market fit? Yes. And many times it's on fairly limited amounts of information. You're largely dealing with intuition at that point mm-hmm. because really the skill that you have at that point is your ability to move quickly, right? You can be incredibly agile. You can be very responsive and, um, you know, intuition and hustle are really the, the currency of that part of the game. Yeah, there's, there's been a lot of good companies, and this is where Eric Reese had his experience in before starting his work in Lean Startup, which was, gosh, we, we spent the last six months building a product no one wants. Yes. And intuition is a part of that. Research is a part of that. Being nimble. This is probably an area more important than maybe some of the other areas where it's really important not to get enamored with the solution. You know, Sometimes product managers will get invested in the work that we're doing and the solution to a problem, 
And then when we find out it's not the right problem, we're actually try, actually trying to solve for the, the market, it's hard to let go of that solution. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a common theme through all the spots we're about to talk about is you need to be the cool head in the room that is constantly the voice of the customer, mm. constantly thinking in terms of benefits and problems. Okay. Uh, because functionally, you're the only one that's charged with that. Everyone else will have a little different uh, set of expectations and a little bit set of thought frameworks. As the product manager, you are the, the most articulate voice of the customer in any one of these discussions. That's a good thing to emphasize. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, the product manager is the voice of the customer and brings that to the organization. Okay. So that's our early stage. So so we're in adolescence. Let's say things really took off and we're in that go-go phase, right? Where, where basically we are selling everything that's not nailed down. And the major metric of an organization like this is sales, right? It's, it's let's get cash in the bank. Um, and many, many times um, down the road is when they actually start to look at profit. Um, it will be a while. When product management kicks in here, what we're really looking for is someone to be able to start editing the offerings. Um, and creating clusters and platforms of offerings because to get to this point, many times the visionary leadership has basically said yes to everything. Uh, you know, they've, they've added features on the fly. They've been out on a presentation with a big customer. They come back in with, you know, the PowerPoint deck all marked up. Hey, guess what? I got the order and oh, by the way, here's the changes, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that lack of discipline, if you will, from a large organization, point of view um, is what wins you business when frankly you really even didn't may not have deserved it but because you were flexible and willing to take it right you start to win stuff that you don't have that you really don't have the chops for product managers at this point right are the editors right they begin to shape the offerings and they need to be a key part of the of the product dialogue so that you begin to have standardized offerings and, and things that are scalable, right? So the operations team isn't schizophrenic. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they, can, they can concentrate on their platforms. They can concentrate on delivering high quality output. And uh, in doing that, you can imagine the friction, right? It's, a, it's one of the most turbulent times in the organizational history is moving through that adolescent crisis. And frankly, many firms have a real hard time with this. Um, it's, it's very, very common uh, to, to not be able to tolerate the establishment of a process, particularly for the visionary founder. And a lot of times, this is the first big managerial crisis that, that comes along um, that you know, it takes a while to work through this. The organization that, you know, is, is you know, nimble, 40 to 50 people flying along um, is not the same organization when it's a couple hundred people. Right. Um, you know, things happen there. Um, you know, Dunbar's number kicks in and you need to have a more professional organization. And there's a whole, whole lot of things that kick in there. So, And that is at times when, when employees involved, they, they feel this added weight, right? They feel like things are slowing down and there's more process being added. And that's when culture starts evolving and, and they feel the change too. Sure. Yeah. And just a, a little bit of a side road, but, you know, some, some people that love the freedom to just kind of get in and dig and, and create new things and kind of the, the, the uh, big dogs of the organization, right, that have, have grabbed victory from defeat over and over and over again, really tense up when it's time to fit into a process, when you need to put product management rigor around people with mm-hmm. real, um, you know, feature lists and, and uh, requirements documents and things like that. 
that um, become very hard to work with uh, for people that have been in a wild, wild west kind of environment. So, mm-hmm. I have had some experiences that tell me that when you put the right guidelines in place, that people at the, at the beginning do feel that resistance to it, right? It's like, hey, you're trying to mm-hmm. constrain me and I don't like the, where this is headed. But in time, they actually realize that they're much more creative because now they, they have the, the road. You know, they, they know what road they're going down. And with on that road, they can focus and they have a lot of creativity as long as they don't get too close to the guardrails right, and, and crash off the road or something. Yes, I love that viewpoint because it's absolutely essential to keep that entrepreneurial spirit alive in mm-hmm. every organization. Um, and one of the things I talk about in, in, with my clients is this need for diplomacy, right? At this point, you need to be able to build that horizontal connectedness in the organization. And as a product manager, right, developing that ability to manage laterally with your functional peers at this point becomes a pretty big deal. Mm, okay, so uh, another good tip. I want to revisit scalability with you because I th- uh, my perception is this gets misunderstood a lot and I'd like to get your perspective on it. At times, like if we go back to the early stage, there'll be engineers, developers, product people involved that will be concerned about scalability from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And if it's, let, let's say it's a digital product and and we're going to build this backend infrastructure to maintain 100,000 simultaneous users on, on the system, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what we expect to be. That's, that's what we're going to. Sure. But yet, we don't even have product market fit yet. We're not sure if we're solving the right problem in the right way. Yeah. For software folks, I would say, you know, it's not until version three that we probably even know what our architecture needs to be like. And when you talk about scalability at the adolescent stage, we're talking about scalability. That becomes more of an aspect, but I think this is also, do we have a version of the product that we can just sustain? Or have we made 10 versions of the product for 10 different customers that we really can't sustain anymore? Yeah, I think the latter is is where my mind tracks mm-hmm. on that. Not uncommonly for small firms, right? You wind up with version one, version two, version three, right? And then and then a new set of requirements comes in, and you wind up kind of mixing ma- matching two more elements together, and suddenly you've got version five. Um, it's it's that kind of environment that in the adolescent stage, what you're really doing is you're really saying, you know what, this is the core set of code. Okay, we are now going to work off this set of features, right? And we're going to begin to do some modular architecture. So, guess what? You know, these are are the new feature set that we can sell (laughs) and we can perhaps modify. But these other things that we used to do, they're off the table now, right? Right. Um, and, uh, that's, that's an interesting discussion when you, when you, when you need to have that. It it is. And it's a discussion that takes place with your customers too, where you might have to say, you know, we're, we're going to, to basically remove some functionality because it's something we know we can't sustain over time. And hopefully we think we have another way for you to get, you know, done what you want to get done still. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So this adolescence stage, lots of friction, growing organization, you shared a number, right? That this is where you see more employees being added. Mm-hmm. I heard one founder put it in the perspective of tens and threes. You may have seen something like this too. That you know, he said when the organization was three people, that's a very different feel than ten. Like you know, going from three to ten was huge. Going from ten to thirty was huge. Going from thirty to a hundred, right? Mm-hmm. And each of those steps felt like a new organization because you find you have to you you just need more process in place to keep things working. 
Yes, exactly true. Um, every organization reaches a complexity breakpoint, um, and usually it's reflected in the organization doing something really silly or really uncharacteristic of itself. Um, not uncommonly, there's um, a big quality defect or a big sales glitch. Um, it's a miss, a uncharacteristic miss to a set of client requirements or something. And uh, many founders, by the way, feel like they've lost control of the company at that right. point. Because what used to work, right, essentially, um, you know, assigning one individual to one set of problems. So, Scott, we just lost audio. We won't blame it on Skype because I'm not sure it was, but uh, we got it working again for everyone listening. And we we're just talking about the this uh, stage is also where founders can feel like they're losing control of the organization. Is there a product management? Does the role change any in, in, in that for product managers? Well, I think the the point I would emphasize is the product manager really becomes, um, in some ways, a key mediation point for the tension between the customer operations and the visionary founder at that point. Hmm. Um, and uh, so they can feel a little bit like a border state in some regards, um, needing to absorb you know, ten- tensions and requirements from a lot of different directions, yet still create clarity. Right. Um, and, and that's why I call them, they're kind of the editor at that point, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're, they're taking, uh, you know, what can be a, a kind of a jumbled mess and creating a through line and, you know, the, the kinds of things that, a, that an editor does when they create a, a good piece for you. So Yeah, I like the editor metaphor. It could be that the executives may not be looking at product management at this in this way at the time. But the, I think it's important that, as you have pointed out, the product manager now in this rapidly growing organization needs to look at how can we cluster our offerings together? How can we make better sense of them in a way that is sustainable for us as an organization? Yep. Kind of bring, bring that maturity to the organization. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we have our early stage. We have our adolescent stage. Now we're moving forward. Yeah, so let's look at the mature stage for a little bit. Um, so what happens as organizations mature, right, is that now they have the processes in place and they get really well-established operations environments where the operation environment, and to some degree, actually begins to dictate the boundaries of what can be done, right? So you, in the software world, you might have an enormous code base at this point, um, some very specific elements that are part of, uh, part of everything, and they're relatively inflexible when it it comes to customer requirements, right? Um, and at this point, um, you, what can happen is the two circles, I, I view them in my mind as two circles, the customer product creation circle and the operations delivery circle. Um, those two circles can get a gap between them. Um, and that, that gap and that bridge is really where the product manager lives. Um, they are the ones that are, are bringing the, the white-hot information in from the market um, and being the voice of the customer inside the firm and really bridging the dialogue between the operations team and the strategy and customer development team at that point. Um, So in doing that, um, they become a very key piece of keeping the product set vibrant. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really easy at this point for people to start to say, hmm, that that company is getting stale uh, because they really aren't changing uh, to match our requirements in the the market space. Um, And the product manager at that point becomes a real strong advocate for the customer 
and also keeping the other stakeholders balanced, right? The right. operations investment and the strategic investment. Um, and at this point, right, this is this is where you sometimes hear the product manager being the CEO of the product, because they need to they need to be a very articulate force inside the organization. They need to manage up. They need to manage laterally. They need to have good external connections. Um, it's a it's a it's a substantial um, executive function at this point. So everyday innovators, I, I hope you're finding this as valuable as I am. Just having this framework to think through, well, you know, what, what does the executive want from me as a product manager? Recognizing the stage of growth, kind of the stage that the, the organization is in, is where to begin with figuring that out, right? And, and how to how to answer that question. And Scott, these are just really good insights. So we're not painting with a broad brush, but really diving into making this tangible for everyone. That gap filler, you talk in terms that are really familiar to me, right? And, and my experience too, that, you know, this gap between the operations and the customer and being their advocate and wanting to bring those together. And I've seen some people in these much more mature organizations run into friction because they'll overemphasize one aspect. Yeah. Maybe because they, where they came from, this would be me, my background, you know, being a really strong customer advocate, right? Hey, we're going to succeed when we find the right problem, find enough customers that have that problem, and we solve it in a valuable way for them, right? Which is important. At the same time, if we're not, if we're not aware of the operations problems and what it actually means for them to get something up, scaled up and out to customers, we can create friction by not being aware of that. And I suspect the opposite is also true. I just don't have the opposite experience. <laughs> Having this appreciation seems to be really important then for the product managers that is in that situation, appreciation of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And it will be gap fillers. So that lays out a nice structure and what executives kind of want from the product manager. And, and let me just try to summarize and correct me where I might be emphasizing this badly. So in the early stage, it's really about that product market fit before we run out of money and doing the work to know where to pay, place our bets wisely. You know, with the resources we have, what, what are we going to go after for a product market fit? As the organization starts growing rapidly and we're in that adolescent stage, a lot of this is recognizing that we need, need to get to a point where we can start standardizing our offerings and being that editor of what we have, Right. And I would think this is where the, the so-called soft skills the, uh, of being able to have the executive debates, having the ability to influence others, you know, s- step into those uncomfortable conversations is important because the organization is changing so quickly and we have to kind of be the grown-up in the room that says, you know, what are the core things that we really can pull off right now? Right. And then, then the well-established is, again, strong advocate for the customer, but also appreciation for, you know, w- what is it like for the operations people? And one of the things I found that is so helpful just as a product manager is growing their career is just to have lunch with these people. There's all these folks in the uh, company that you don't really know what they do. And a great way to find that out and build your relationships and kind of expand your network is just to have lunch with someone every now and then. Yes. That was my little tip of advice for the, this, for the listeners for now. Um, how about you? What would you share with, uh, let's say it's the, the newer, the younger product manager that's just kind of getting started out in product management Advice that you would offer, activities they should be involved in to help them figure out their role and how to really support the executives uh, in, in kind of the strategy work of the organization. I, I think um, most most fresh 
product managers don't really have a sense of just how much information there is available to them and necessarily avail themselves of that. Um, so when I, when I mentor folks, the first thing I ask them to do is, is find out what the dominant narrative is inside the organization, right? And we're back again. We just realized that we have a mic issue. And so it's going to sound different now for listeners. And we're just talking about product managers that are kind of new to the role, not availing themselves to all the information that's available. Yeah, and and specifically to give a couple of action points. The first one would be to find out what the dominant narrative is inside the organization. What is the organization telling itself? Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, I lived through the era of fiber optic speed increases, right? And every time we had a fiber optic speed increase, a new application became operational, right? We went from text. We went from text to documents. We went from documents to audio. We went from audio to video. And each of those was a massive change in, in, in capability. Um, you know, product managers these days are living through the uh, opportunity of full presence, right? What does that mean? What does full, you know, low latency audio and video presence mean? Um, how, how are we going to work with that? Mm -hmm. So understand that dominant narrative and put it in context of where you are, where you came from, and where you're headed, right? Mm -hmm. and, and get that really bedded down. Um, secondly, if you're part of a publicly traded organization, um, read the 10Ks. Um, there is so much information that your organization discloses publicly about its strategies and plans. Um, and you would be surprised how many internal employees have no sense <laughs> of what is, what is written in those documents and, and, and where people are headed. Um, Chad, I loved your advice about taking people to lunch, particularly those people that are most unlike you. Um, mm -hmm. So if you're a strategist and, 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 and perhaps love living in the product creation environment, taking, uh, taking an operations guy or gal to lunch and, and really understanding, okay, what, what, what does your day look like? What makes your day good, right? What makes your day difficult, right? Just begin to understand that perspective a little bit. Um, it will open opportunities to you that are, that are very significant. Um, the last big piece of advice is if there is the opportunity to get to a customer, and many times these are cloaked in you need to go solve a problem for a customer, mm -hmm. uh, but go. Always go. Um, never, never say no. Um, and I can share a number of uncomfortable circumstances where I was a young, young engineer in a room full of people <laughs> having, having to work things out real time that massively improved my understanding of, of what was really going on. So I love that you shared that and the other three too, but the opportunity to be with the customer is so valuable to us as product managers. And most product managers say they want to spend more time with customers. But if you're new in the role, it is harder maybe to get out and do that. It depends on what stage of organization you're in here, too. As you said, you have your kind of horror stories, as I would phrase it. You know, I remember once showing up to be the person to help solve a problem and literally got yelled at for 10 minutes by one of the executives of the organization. Yes. Right? I don't have any real control over my company. I'm just showing up to try to fix this. And that was such a valuable experience just to, just to be calm, let them vent, and then say, this is how we're going to solve it, right? And you just work through it and make it right. Yes, absolutely. That, that experience is absolutely pivotal. And if you get known as the person that can do that, 
Um, now, as a product manager, you will have a, 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 a pipeline, right? Salespeople will begin to know your name. <laughs> yep. And, and that's always a good thing. Wonderful information. As listeners know, I love innovation quotes as well. I always ask guests for one. What quote did you bring for us and why did you choose that one? Yeah, so the quote I grabbed was, um, every once in a while, a new technology, an old problem, and a big idea turn into an innovation. And uh, that was spoken by Dean Kamen, who may not be familiar to your listeners, but uh, in the uh, late 90s, uh, he was a huge power of invention. Uh, he's most probably famous for inventing the Segway, but uh, he's invented hundreds and hundreds of items and uh, has, has a real um, amazing career. You do well to study him a little bit. The reason I grabbed that quote um, is there's all the elements are in there. Uh, I don't think people spend nearly enough time understanding the old problems. Hmm. Uh, um, understanding old problems in depth uh, lead us to fantastic new solutions. Uh, for instance, uh, just think of cellular telecommunications right now, right? Uh, we are not in the mature cycle. Uh, we aren't even close, right? There's no reason I should have to look at 150 apps, right, to solve the problems I need to do on a daily basis, right? There's a whole cycle of making that more transparent and much easier to use. That's just around the corner. You can, mm -hmm. just, you can just feel it, right? So it's that old problem of needing to be in communication, of having influence and dialogue with, with people, that's going to be solved yet again in another in another set of set of technologies in fantastic ways. Um, yeah, will there be new technology? Absolutely, but never view technology as the innovation. It's always the vehicle to innovation. Um, and then and then finally, a big idea. You know, uh, every every great breakthrough is you know an idea, and then this and then the thousand problems solved. <laughs> so. It's a great quote, and one I'm not familiar with. It happens occasionally, but I love quotes. So I do know quite a few. And uh, yeah, Dean Kamen is just interesting for so many reasons. Last time I looked, he has over 400 patents and has invented so many things. And he has a, his own Navy. So he, he pers yes. personally made a country, and uh, uh, he has a boat at his, his home, which is his Navy. So interesting gentleman. Thanks for sharing the uh, quote for us. Certainly, with the work you're doing now, how can people get in touch with you, if, especially if there's an organization looking for some help, maybe at the executive level with product and uh, some direction? What do you want to leave listeners with? You can find out all about me at scottprop.com, S-C-O-T-T-P-R-O-P-P.com. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. Um, you will find four or five articles a day on the Twitter stream, as well as two uh, pieces uh, in the LinkedIn stream as well. Um, and I love coming alongside teams and enabling growth and innovation. That is really what I'm about. And, in, and for this audience, um, specifically, the work I do on Complete Growth Leader um, is probably the most relevant, which is a program where I come alongside people and equip them with some of the strategic elements that we talked about today. So, Great. Thanks for sharing that. And again, best place is a Scott Prop. That's Scott2Ts, Prop2Ps.com. Scott, I appreciate your time today. Yes, thank you, Chad. Thank you for persevering through the technical ups and downs, and uh, I hope this is a useful uh, uh, tool for your listeners. Absolutely is for me. Uh, good information shared. You take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Find the summary of the discussion with Scott at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 150. Also, don't forget to download the top 10 insights from the first 100 plus interviews. You'll find that at the home for this podcast, which is 
TheEverydayInnovator.com. Thanks again. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit our blog at TheEverydayInnovator.com.